Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Happiness Journey with Dr. Dan podcast, where every journey is worth living. My name is Dr. Dan, and I'm your host for today's episode. I'm a bilingual cognitive behavior psychotherapist specializing in anger management issues, both court-appointed and private, marriage counseling using the EFT method, dissociative disorders, narcissistic personality disorder, depression, anxiety, germ analysis, and also provide live business and retirement coaching support. I provide individual one-on-one session in English or in French, and also group setting. If you need any assistance, reach out to DMV Therapy and Coaching Services at 301-325-1550, and our website can be found at lifecoach10amzalike.com. Today, I'm very excited to have for our fifth episode of season eight, a very special guest and best-selling author of Brownies for Breakfast, Miss Lynn Bowman. And just like every of my past episodes, I will leave it up to the guests to properly introduce themselves as no one can do a better job. Lynn, the floor is yours. Hey, bonjour, (laughs) I am so happy to be with you and of course still to be alive, as you know, Um, and uh, the introduction has to include that I'm a grandma because that's hugely what matters to me and and this book is important to me and I've just lived a long time now. I had a long career in uh, advertising and marketing and, and so that colors how I talk about health with you because I deeply understand how hard the food industry is working to get you to eat crap. (laughs) That's why I'm here this morning. And I know you're all about that too, but maybe there's something we can argue about. I'm not sure. Uh, You may agree on a lot of this stuff, but it's the more you know about what you are being fed in terms of information. Uh, and I, to me, it's hilarious. We don't have television at home. And so when I travel, or let's say before COVID, when I traveled, um, whenever we would be in a hotel, open up the TV and turn it on to see commercials, it was so funny to see two or three commercials for really awful food, followed by two or three commercials for really awful medications mm-hmm. that you needed to take because of the food that they were advertising. So um, that might not be as hilarious to other people, but to me, um, it is sort of wickedly awful that people are still watching those commercials and buying the food and eating it and then going out and buying the Prilosec or whatever it is Mm -hmm. that keeps them from having the um, acid reflux at night. And I, you know, I want to run through the streets screaming, just stop eating crap, <laughs> please. I agree. Please. The thing is, is that it's a money-making industry, Lynn. Yes. And for them, yes. The, the, the big pharma and the fast food industry are working in collaboration to be able to keep the citizen as sick and medicated as possible. So for them, it's, it's, it's a deep pocket. Well, Dan, let's be kind. They're trying to make as much money as they can make. And that just happens to be a good strategy. Uh, And the reason it's such a good strategy is because there are foods, absolutely, I don't think you're going to argue with me about this, that are chemically addictive. Mm -hmm. Sugar being the number one culprit, it is absolutely addictive. And so, and it's legal for people to hook you on it and then keep you hooked on it. And I, and I, this part is very unpopular because when I say, well, if I told you that I was addicted to heroin, what would you say to me uh, when I said, oh, you know, I think I'll cut back. Does that make any sense at all? No, it doesn't make any sense at all. 
nor does it make sense when you think about it, which I do every day because of you, um, uh, it doesn't make any sense just to cut back on sugar because you are addicted. And there are lots of different forms of sugar, processed wheat flour becomes sugar essentially chemically and pizza, it turns out by the research that we have is the most addictive prepared food. And think about it, who isn't eating pizza all the time? Your kids are eating pizza all the time. Everybody is having it delivered all the time. And that pizza is basic that you're eating, not mine at my house, but the pizza that you're eating when you buy it from uh, one of the chains is processed white flour, really bad cheese, preserved meats, pepperoni that are absolutely, we have all the research that tells us that, at, that they're carcinogens. They're, they're, it is cancer causing substance that you're eating. And you know that, I mean, I hope you know that. It's the information is certainly out there. So you're eating and, and you're eating some tomato sauce that is largely added sugar. So yeah, okay, maybe you have some olives on it or some mushrooms, I don't know. <laughs> but the, it's just awful food. And um, <clears throat> I just, we were talking before we went on, I just heard some new figures yesterday, some research that I hadn't seen. Um, that, and it, you know, a lot of these things depend on how you measure them. I get it. I don't just take studies and accept them, you know, for, uh, at face value, you don't either. We like to see peer reviewed studies and <clears throat> we like to compare them to the other things that have been out in the field, but there are those in the, um, field that we're in who claim that only something like one or 2% of the people in this country are actually at the desired weight for their height. Wow. Okay. Yeah, talking, I know. Are we talking about BMI? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, and yeah. 98% are either too high of a BMI or too little. Mm -hmm. And the ones that are too little are smokers and oh, alcohol, heavy alcohol consumers. So the people basically in this country who have their weight controlled are sick because you know, some other horrible thing. And that, so we are now a nation full of people totally out of control when it comes to how much we weigh, which is most important, not because of your, the way your pants fit. It's because there is absolutely no argument with, in most cases, not all, but in most cases, that uh, increased weight equates to increased health problems, chronic disease, diabetes, heart disease, rah, 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 all those things, you know this. Yeah. Uh, but as, as this is, this isn't even, how do you describe this? Epidemic doesn't cover that. I mean, virtually all of us, you know, <laughs> what, what is that? Well, everybody is driving through. Nobody's cooking. Nobody's eating at home. Um, we are raising our children, two, three generations now of our kids have been raised on crappy food. So, and I hear from moms, it's usually their friends, kids, but kids, two or three generations have grown up not eating with 
utensils. You got that? They've been eating with their hands out of a bag or a box since the 60s, 70s. And the statistics in this country, if you were looking at a bar graph or a you know, line graph, you would see that in 1970, this started taking off like a rocket in terms of diabetes, heart disease, all the things that go with bad nutrition. And this is like started in 1954 when Ray Kroc opened the McDonald's. This Thank is- you. It actually started before then, but the but you've seen these numbers, Dan, and you see that that starting in the 60s, 70s, it starts with, and then it just goes to the sky. I mean, it just is crazy. And we could say, well, it's because women went back to work, right? Yeah. That's had something to do with it. Yeah, it has. Uh, because we are no longer chained in the kitchen. Correct. Uh, and I am not a proponent of being changed, chained in the kitchen. I don't think that's a good idea for anybody, uh, <laughs> even though I am a grandma. All right. Officially with grandma letters behind my name. Mm-hmm. I still don't. Th- I don't want to be chained in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I don't, and I've admitted this. I don't even love to cook, but I love to eat. And the only and I love being healthy. And the only way you're going to get there is in the kitchen, in your own kitchen. You're not going to get there in restaurants, in fancy restaurants. You're not going to get there having food delivered to your door. The only way you know what you're eating and you know whether it's good or not, and you know where it came from, is if you prepare it. So I am here to tell you that's not hard. It's easy and fun and it's delicious, but you have to make a decision that you're going to do it. And uh, I mean, thing that we've talked about and I like to talk about a lot because I'm old, I'm 76. And people say, well, gosh, you know, really you, you don't look at, yeah, I do look at, this is what 76 looks and feels like if you've been eating pretty carefully and you care and you do your exercise. This is it. Now there's a little luck involved. You know, there's all kinds of things. I, I, I don't want to diminish that, you know, people get sick for perfectly good reasons, but you just heard the statistics on how many of us are unwell because of choices we've made. And so in your desire, all y'all out there to do better, I want you to just think in terms of those choices every day, every bite, everything that you do, uh, it's going to add up one way or the other way. And so what are you choosing? You know, it's all, where are you going with this? It's all based on habits as well, Lynn, because- Habits every day, yeah. Give to our young kids the, the taste of broccoli or asparagus or lettuce or all that, they're going to acquire this taste. And then that is going to become natural to them. But if you do them McDonald's and uh, Burger King uh, fries and all that crap, then they're going to acquire that taste and that's going to continue making them continue eating it. And it's all about taste buds. You could train your taste buds accordingly. And and Dan, you know this, your chemistry changes, Mm -hmm. your saliva changes. So when you make a change, when you, for example, today, and I hope you'll do this, quit sugar. (laughs) I'll be watching you, all of you. Um, If you, if you quit sugar today in two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, Uh, trust me on this. It's true. Your saliva changes, your chemistry changes, 
and that craving goes away. It'll be a little difficult for the first few days, for a week, for two, but your big challenge is going to be social because this country, this society is so the donut in the morning. And there's donut recipes in my book, by the way, no sugar. They're healthy. They're yummy. But our habit is to go into Starbucks and get a tall sugar with cream with a little bit of coffee waved over it. (laughs) And then we get a croissant or we get a, you know, a donut hole or something too. That's our breakfast. That's all sugar and the worst possible dairy that you can eat. Um, And that's where you're starting your day. That's your habit. And that's your friend's habit. So the, the tough part is just what you said. It's changing your habit. And here's a crazy one that, that is fairly new to me, but boy, I'm sold. And that is just skip a meal. Don't eat all that time. Just, just don't. And it's shocking how much it can elevate your energy level, how much weight will kind of just drop off. If you're looking to lose a little weight, that's a great way to do it. Um, And all kinds of things that I'm now understanding processes take place in your body that are very advantageous Mm -hmm. that can't happen when you're stuffing your face as we do in this country all day long until, until Jimmy Kimmel, right. And everybody uh, it's over at night. We're still, we're still wiping the pizza crumbs off our face. But, and I, and I highly, highly advise to stop eating at least before dark um, and the earlier, the better, but almost all the longevity experts. And yes, there are many of them out there are kind of coming around to agreement about, and and of course they get a little crazier than everybody else, but they swear by it. They're talking one meal a day. That's what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. But but hold on, but Lynn, you see there's a science. I did read a lot before I started doing the intermittent fasting. And now uh, now you have a massive movement online about IF, which is uh, intermittent fasting. Right, it's, it's the science is there. Yeah, the science is there, exactly. And the thing yeah. that what a lot of people need to understand as well, Lynn, is that in the past, remember when they used to say, eat uh, every two or three hours, as frequent as you can, because that accelerates. And as a diabetic, that's absolutely what I was told. Mm-hmm. Type two diabetes, just keep eating, but not carbs yeah. all day. Correct, exactly. But then here's the problem. Every time you eat, you have the pancreas that secretes insulin to level the blood sugar in the body. And every time you get it, every time you eat, this is what happens. But now the the whole process of intermittent fasting is that it will allow you to bring your body into ketosis. And if let's say, and as you said, as you prolong the time of fasting, so which is some people do 21-3, which is 21 hours of fasting and three hours of eating, others Mm -hmm. do 16-8, other does, uh, I mean, whatever other uh, alternative, but the longer you don't eat, the better it is. And they said also, if you do water fasting for 72 hours, you completely replenish your immune system in your body. And I haven't seen a lot of great research on that yet. I'm waiting for it. And I want to see it. You look fabulous, Dan, and your skin looks great. And I want everyone to know that because you, you know, it does show. And one of my favorite new words um, uh, this is, you'll, you'll love this one too, is autophagy. 
Yes, yes, yes. Uh, that- I love that word because what it means is the cellular ability to cleanse your body from the inside out. And that cleansing process is vital to good health. Mm-hmm. And it can't take place if you're continually eating. You, you have to stop eating so these exhausted, overstuffed little cells can do their showers right. and their, they'll, their self-grooming. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's, one thing, it's, and what's that one thing very important that a lot of people, what they don't realize, they do, they do go through autophagy when they're sick. Because let's say you go to the hospital, let's say you have a sickness, you're not hungry. So that's a sign that the body is replenishing itself because it doesn't allow you to eat because you have no hunger, you have no appetite, but then that means that the body is working on healing. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. But if you do it voluntarily, instead of waiting to get sick, to be able to go through that process of autophagy, then that tells you that you're putting your body into a healthy state and which will allow you to be able to build more momentum into a healthier life. But a lot of people don't, don't understand that process. So you're, you're saying auto, it's got a nice French twist, autophagy. Yeah, autophagy, exactly. I like that. The French one. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, and, and I do agree, this is like a, a complete, um, in, a, in a cellular level, a complete replenishing. And yeah. you get, you look younger, you, you're healthier, you have more energy. And also when you go into a ketosis stage, you also have a better uh, brain mentality. You, you can actually remember things better. You're, you're kind of- learning. Fog clears. Yeah, fog clears, exactly. So this right. is a kind of benefit. And a lot of people don't seem to understand that because they're so blasted with advertising of eating crap. I mean, how can you not? I mean, unless if you cut down completely TV and social media, then what? Well- I advise to cut the TV off for sure. I mean, I, I raised my kids without one and, and um, can't stand to have it around actually, which isn't to say you can't watch a movie once in a while and stream something, but, but commercial TV, I don't know how anybody does, does that anymore. Um, But you bring up another point about sleep, Mm -hmm. which is that you can't heal unless you're in a deep sleep state And I think people don't always understand how related eating and sleeping are. I mean, they are the same system and what you eat definitely affects what you, how you sleep Mm -hmm. and how you sleep conversely affects what you eat. We all know, if you think about it, you, you don't sleep well, you're really tired. What happens? Your body's screaming and you think it wants food. Mm-hmm. because it's it's tired is the problem it hasn't slept but the only thing that it knows to i mean you're at the office you can't just sleep what can you do you can eat a donut and so that helps and in your business as a therapist you also know that food for so many people is not nourishment at all it's a coping mechanism for stress and for anxiety and for you know yeah in their life and so on and so forth. So you're right. And it's all about uh, building or the relationship between you have with food because a lot of people have a very toxic relationship with food yes. and it becomes an addiction, just like alcohol, drugs, sex, porn, whatever else. And it has, it, it does affect the mind the same way as any other addiction that you see. And it's reflective of the toxic relationships that they have with people. 
That's correct. Exactly. So, so I'm here hollering about what I want you to do, but I understand that there's work to be done there very often to separate nourishing yourself with food from not wanting to nourish yourself with toxic relationships. I mean, it's, it's a twisted kind of affair, um, but it seems to me like some of us might be ready to tackle the food aspect of it just as its own thing. And I, to me, it's very important to understand that food isn't just food. Food is company and companionship and, and love and n- nourishing other people. And it's, it's, it's a sacrament, you know, it's all these things. It isn't just food. So if you're eating pizza in front of Jimmy Kimmel at night, you're missing all this other stuff that is meant to nourish you as part of your eating ritual, let's say. That's correct. Yeah. And, and I like to point out that when we judge the animals on the savannah and elsewhere, we talk about how they share food. That, we, that makes them elevated in our mind, that these, these bonobos or the lions, you know, they, the, their rituals around food are obviously very sophisticated. Well, what about us? When was the last time you shared food in a meaningful way with someone that you maybe liked a little or loved or just wanted to get to know or something? Um, and think about what it means. You know, we've, we've all throughout, as long as humans have been humans, we've been making deals over food. You know, we've been building families and communities over food. Food isn't just food. So think about the quality of the food that you're eating with relationship to the quality of your social life, the quality of your your spiritual life. Um, And if all you have control over right now is just eating better, do it because it's going to bring you so much reward. And can we talk about money for a minute? Yes, go ahead. Okay. All right. Because I love money. I really do. There's nothing more wonderful than having enough money. And I have been homeless and I've had not enough. And I know what that feels like raised three kids, single mom, all that sort of thing, sole source. So I don't want anybody yammering here about how expensive food is and then going out and driving through because then you're also buying a bag and all this paper and this plastic. And so, and then your, your car is idling in line at Mickey D's, right? And all the guys, and then you, so um, I, I have a little, little example here for you because it's very recent. Just a few nights ago, my first post-COVID little supper here, just five of us, very small, everybody vaccinated. We're all safe, but mm-hmm. there, were, there were five of us here and we had a two-course dinner, very simple because it was kind of last minute. And I made a couple things, a, a salad. We all love salad um, out of the book. And I made a, a pasta um, with, um, some phony ground beef, which actually it's a, a, 
a recipe that I love because it's, it's, it's sort of beef stroganoff, but plant-based and with um, brown rice noodles, delicious. Everybody loved it, very successful. And I added it all up afterwards because I thought, gosh, this is really very reasonably. And I fed five of us, including my dear, a decent little bottle of Pinot Noir. Whoa. Okay. Local. Local. All right. And, and it was, it was not the greatest in the world, but dang, it was, it was just fine. 30 bucks to feed everybody with the wine. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But you know, you can do this. Anybody can do it if they're paying attention. And when, when COVID first started, you'll remember this, and everyone was screaming, they were running to the grocery store and buying toilet paper and everything. And the shelves are empty. It's really, well, you weren't in the produce department because if you were, there was plenty of celery. There was plenty of lettuce, right? There were plenty of oranges, whatever. There was no problem there. Um, it was in the snack aisle. Yes, <laughs> right? yes, yes. All of those bags and boxes of crummy food yes. that that were grabbed and, and taken home uh, just in case, you know. You, you make a good observation there, Lynn. And it's true when uh, in the peak of the pandemic, I saw I never had a problem getting salad, getting vegetables and all. But when you go into the, the section where it's all chips and all cookies and all that, they were all gone. It yeah. And then with the toilet paper. Yeah, with toilet paper, of course. And this is when you start realizing where people's priorities are. Yeah. It's just it's just terrible. And uh, also the, the mathematics behind uh, you feeding five people for 30 bucks, which is $6 each, when you go and get a, a burger with fries and a drink or milkshake and a little apple fritter, that costs you 10 bucks. So you're- Oh no, honey, it's more like 15 now. So, oh, so I, I haven't visited the- uh, fast food uh, place in like in 50 years or something. So no, I know, but it's shocking because I remember the 99 cent burger, right? And in my mind, that's still where it is. But no, and fast food is not cheap food. Yeah, that's true. It's just fast. That's all it is. And poisonous. And poisonous. Yes. That's what it is. So I, I think now, mind you, we have a little taqueria here in in my little, I very small town. And we're in agricultural country and right at the, the beach, essentially four miles in. So fresh fish, fresh vegetables. I can go in and get a burrito that is, I mean, fabulous, good food made by our friends at the Taqueria. Really good. I cut it in half, though. And that's a meal. Right. And then you put it on top of some greens and maybe you put if you've got some leftover red pepper soup in the book delicious and you put that on top and you know and nuke it um you can squeeze that that dollar a long way if you're buying healthy food from a good source but i don't count that as fast food i don't count my taqueria as fast food they take a great deal of care sourcing the food and they cook it in front of you and i know what's in it and i know those guys um <clears throat> so you know, just because it's it's small or inexpensive or local doesn't mean that it's icky. It's just you need to know where it's coming from. Yes. And I am not strictly vegan, by the way. I support anyone who is, but I most people, it seems to me, who claim to be vegan are just eating sugar all the time. They're eating white flour, 
and sugar. And I, I can hear the head shaking and so, okay, good, good. But you know who I'm talking about, that 22-year-old gal that is, you know, studying near, and she's vegan and she's very conscious. She's just eating white flour and sugar all the time. Yeah. <laughs> that, so, that is a good point. But in a that's, that's not being vegan. And, and, and I support people who want to eat meat so long as you are sourcing your meat thoughtfully. Because there's a huge difference. I don't think you're going to argue with me about this between factory farm food, not even in terms of, yeah, it's bad for the land. It's bad for the community. It's bad for a lot of things. It's also bad for your guts. It's bad for your health because there's stuff in that beef. There's too much fat in it. There's there um, uh, antibiotics. There's, you know, gro so if you're going to eat beef, buy it from my friend Donaga who raises beef the right way on grass, finishes them on grass. They move from section to section. So they're eating just really natural, naturally grown grasses. And it's a better product. It's delicious. And that's where if you're paying a little more for it, you're getting your money's worth. It's a very good thing. Um, so no, I'm not vegan, but um, it's whole food. You should be eating whole food, mostly plants, not too much. And I quote Michael Pollan here, famously said that, mm -hmm. but it's true. And, and it's, it's not that complicated, is it? It's really not. But I think, you know what, we have the tendency because again, when you look at uh, driving through a drive-through and you, people are thinking more of conveniency. Okay, they found they feel that okay, I just finished a long day at work. I'm gonna stop by, get food for the kids at the McDonald's, whatever it is, stop by, feed them, and I'll have less of an issue in the, for the rest of the evening. But if and you talked in the beginning about prepping, if let's say you, you take the weekend, let's say a few hours, and you prep five pounds of broccoli, five pounds of, uh, of asparagus, other vegetables, and you put them into a container into like, uh, you know, like a Tupperware, whatever it is. Or make my soup, Dan. There's a genius soup in the book. You make this big pot of vegetable soup with all your greens in it, everything in it. It's ready to go. And you, from that soup, you can make five or six meals with different things. Pasta one night, beans one night, you know, tortilla soup one night. It's so easy if you just give it a little thought. And, and let's go back for a minute to the kids that you're driving through so you can take something home to the kids. First of all, um, kids will eat for all of you who are worried about your fussy eater kids. Kids will eat what kids grow and what kids cook. And do you really want to send your kids out into the world, to college, wherever, not knowing how to feed themselves? not literally not knowing how to use utensils, not knowing how to cook, not knowing how to grow some herbs. Aren't those the most basic skills that parents should be teaching their children? And, and kids love this stuff. I've never known a kid who didn't enjoy, especially if you start when they're really little and little tiny ones and diapers, they like helping in the kitchen. They like moving that plate off the table and take, and I never cared if something got broken, whatever, it's okay. Um, it's, it's a, an old timey kind of parenting where you let your kids fail, right? yes. <laughs> where you don't do that anymore. But back in the day, we used to let our kids fail. 
And, and so if the kids grow up reading labels, shopping for the food with you, saying to you, you shouldn't be getting that. It's not good. Okay. That's great. When your kids are aware of what they're eating, they eat better. And then what happens? I mean, it's a longer cycle. It's 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, but being my age, I care about this stuff. If you start young, you, you don't have a concern when you're 40, 50, 60 about how things are going. If you don't start young, things start going to hell when you're in your forties and in your fifties. And by the time you're in your sixties, down so much damage has been done. That's correct. And just to second uh, your advice here, uh, Lynn, just to be able to prove to people that if they don't give the right skills to their kids and they grow up, look at what happened when they go to college, freshman 15 or freshman 30, don't know how to cook. So they eat the crap that is served at the cafeteria and or they purchase like the the wrong food and they gain weight. So that's just a perfect example. If you want to see your kids to become obese or overweight as they reach college years, then you have to teach them the right skills now. I'm not talking to, to tell a kid who's three years old to be able to know how to, to, do a, to use a fryer. Or no, age not, appropriate. Age appropriate, exactly. So cut the salad, cut the cucumbers, cut this, cut that, and give them the, the, the skill set that will help them grow, help them understand the value of food and build a better relationship with it. Because unfortunately, what we've seen, Lynn, is so much damage that's been happening and uh, I just want to be able to kind of like uh, help people at least open their eyes. Now, just let people, you know, just to conclude this uh, podcast, tell people how to find you, uh, find your book, The Brownie for Breakfast. And what last piece of advice would you give to our listeners? Well, the advice is enjoy your food. <laughs> Try and change your habits to the point where every meal is a pleasure in some way where you can feel good about it and feel good from it and feel good while you're eating it. No guilt, you know, no recrimination. I want you to eat joyfully. I want you to enjoy your food. And if you will look me up at uh, lynnbowman.com, that's my website, L-Y-N-N-E-B-O-W-M-A-N. And everything is on there, the book and the connections to social media and everything. I love hearing from people. There's a little form where you can reach me, send me a note, and I like to get questions. Um, and I'm happy, happy to look at pictures that you've taken of your meals that you've cooked from my recipes because that makes me feel like a huge success. So thank you very much when you do that. I, the book has... Um, great ratings on uh, Instagram and everywhere and, and Amazon. And also you can get it from your independent bookseller. If you go in and ask for brownies for breakfast, and if they say, Oh, well, we're not carrying it. Please make a fuss. It's like, Oh my gosh, it's a great book. It's blowing up. Why aren't you carrying it? That helps me. And they can order it. They can get it from their wholesaler. So brownies for breakfast is the book. It's full of really simple simple recipes, sometimes two, three ingredients where you'll go, oh, that's all you have to do. Yeah, that's it. That's all you have to do um, to make your food at home quality food. It's not hard. And I want you to do it. It's fun. And your kids will love it. (laughs) And the brownies are great. (laughs) 
Well, uh, Lynn, that is all the time that we have for today's podcast. And I really do appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy schedule as an author to join us. And thank you again for participating and inspiring our many listeners with your incredible story and advice. Now, we hope that you've all enjoyed today's episode. And I'm also very excited about the many upcoming guests that we have scheduled for season eight of the Happiness Journey podcast filled with inspirational stories, just like the one that you listened to today. Now, here are some concluding words of wisdom. An amazing thing in your life will happen when you get honest with yourself and start doing the thing you love the most and what really makes you happy. Your life will literally slow down so you can learn to appreciate the things around you. In retrospect, you will stop wishing for the weekend to come along or start looking forward to attending events. You will begin to live in each moment and you will finally start feeling like a real human being and not a cyborg. You will start riding this tidal wave we call life but now with a feeling of contentment and joy. You will learn to live more fluidly, steadily, calm, and grateful. A veil is finally lifted and a new perspective is born. This perspective, or shall we call it purpose, will allow you to really understand the meaning of your life and will stop focusing too much on the things you don't have. Learning to appreciate the world around you will bring new value to your life and the one that you've been living. Just keep on learning, keep on hoping, and keep on doing. The world is yours. My name is Dr. Dan Emzelag, and you may all keep pursuing your amazing journey in life.